The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Buddy, you know where to find us. Hit us up on those places or watch us live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. This is the Pride of Detroit POD cast, the Pride of Detroit podcast. POD stands for Pride of Detroit. And as the first three letters of podcast, it's simple enough. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. I am Chris Perfett, your adequate host, uh, hosting for what is probably going to be the very last time. Uh, for those who did not catch in the last podcast, uh, California law has changed. I am being uh, removed from my position here, not by Jeremy's consent. Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit Online, he's here with me. But because the muckety mucks upstairs have decided that they just don't want to work around any of this law, and California people have had their way. So there's that. We'll talk more about that off on the side during Twitch. And in the last segment, I don't want to bring it down. But just to let you know, if you have been rooting for my demise, congratulations, you win. We will have to find some new adequacy to move along. Maybe it'll come from Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Hi, Jeremy. How's it going, Chris? How you doing? Uh, good. I just need you to kind of lower down your mic a little bit, but I think I'll, I'll, I'll back away. I'm, I'm no, sorry. it's not that. It's just I think I'm there's like not. an input from you or something. <clears throat> We're doing engineering on the fly here, but uh, you know, <laughs> adequacy. You'll miss that when I'm gone. Uh, let's see what. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about the game. Stick around for the second segment. There have been three players that have all said things after the game. Their stories are incredibly important, and I feel like that's going to be the focus of the podcast, of the POD cast. But first, we have to start, Jeremy, on the game itself. As Green Bay Packers top the Lions 23-20 in a game where the Packers never led until triple zero. Which is the exact same outcome as the first time the two yes, teams met. Yes, yes, yes. And once again, the Lions held a held a lead and lost it. Yes, and I think that's kind of the major storyline when you look at this game is that it just played out like every single game the season seemed to have played out. They came out hot. 
They, they pull off a nice big trick play early in the first quarter. They, they get out to a big lead. You think, hey, maybe this team kind of knows what they're doing. Hey, maybe they're going to ruin their, their third or second overall pick in the draft. And anyone who's paying attention, even when the lines were up 10 nothing or whatever they were up, you were just like, <laughs> this other shoe is going to drop. Aaron Rodgers is going to figure it out. The the Lions offense is going to run out of steam, and that's exactly what that's happened. That's exactly what happened. It took one big Aaron Rodgers f- throw. He found, um, I believe, Adams, was it? Uh, yeah, I mean, he had a couple. Devontae, he found Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, he had a screenplay that, that put the, the Packers in, in field goal position. The very end of the game. But yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate to, I mean, in a way, it was kind of the best of both worlds. The the t- The group of people that are like, I want to see the Lions beat the Packers. I don't care about draft order. You never know who's going to land in the draft. I want to see the Lions beat the Packers because the Packers suck, FTP, blah, 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 blah. You got to see a Lions team that was very capable of doing just that. A Lions team that really outplayed the Packers quite handily in the first half. Uh, But they obviously didn't pull it out at the end. But for the team tank group, the Lions didn't pull it out in the end. Maybe they looked I mean, they looked good. They weren't embarrassed. I don't think anyone wanted the Lions to get embarrassed, uh, you know, on their home turf in front of a bunch of Packers fans. Um, so, so you know, the the Lions got to eat their cake and or have their cake and eat it too, or however that saying I, goes. And I I'll take the opposite side because you could divine I think the opposite thing of what Jeremy's saying out of this game too. If you were looking for FTP, you came up short because the Lions did not beat them at the end. Like, yeah, you had a great game, but uh, guess what? What? They, they beat the spread. Yeah. If you're, if you're the <laughs> Vegas guy, you're happy. That's for sure. Uh, but like the Packers still get away with it in the ends. They still escape the clutches. Uh, the lions go blasting off into the night, like team rocket. And as for draft spot, the wash Washington did not hold up their end of the bargain at all to get up to number two. So you're, you're at three, which probably takes you out of chase young territory. Unless Washington just completely drops the ball, which granted they might, but they also just let go of Bruce Allen. So the idea of them dropping the ball, like you, you can't, you can't go worse than Bruce Allen. (laughs) I I know I'm putting a hex out there. I have a friend. I have a friend at Fox sports radio who is a skins fan. I just put a massive hex out there, but I do not think you can go worse than Bruce Allen. But I'm just saying that's probably what's happening. So the Lions probably have to start thinking about what could be besides Chase Young. Uh, what else? Aaron Rodgers well, I mean, looks good again. I mean, he didn't. He didn't actually look no, that good. No, like he, he, he struggled a lot. Bad. Yeah, he looked bad. He looked downright bad. I mean, he threw the ball. Over fifty times, and did he did he manage to finally climb over fifty percent completion percentage? He he that could this could have been a much uglier game. No, he was just short. He was just short of five hundred. He yeah, was like so uh, twenty seven of fifty five. Listen, Packers fans, if there's one thing that the FTP crowd can can take into uh, January, knowing it's that they have startled Packers fans. Packers fans maybe. did not come out of this game feeling very good. And and one positive thing, and maybe, you know, I, I joked about this at halftime that maybe in, in a couple weeks I'll be writing Lions created blueprint to beating Packers, <laughs> just like they did with the Rams a couple of years. Or was that just, no, that was a couple of years ago, right? No, it was just last yeah. year. No, I just, um, well, the, they weren't in the playoffs last year, yes. So, but, but the joke being that 
you know, oh, the, I mean the, the Packers. Line. No, the Rams thing. I, I know what you're right, going right. there. I'm. I have worked a very long week. So, but I think I think the Lions did have a smart game plan for this game, which is run the ball against this Packers defense because they've gotten a lot better on the back end. They have a really good pass rush, but they haven't really been good at stopping the run all year. And the Lions, and and again, this is maybe something you can take into the future. Um, we we got to see Bo Scarborough and and Carryon Johnson together again. And they combined for almost for 95 yards on 20 carries. So four and a half per carry. Very yeah. promising. Or, sorry, more than four and a half carry. Four, yeah, four, yeah, four seven. seven for Bo, I believe. But I believe that Bo Scarborough is a just he's he's different from a lot of these other running backs we've seen here. And and part of that is because like the conditions at which he had to play under. Consider that the line hasn't been the offensive line hasn't been set all year. And again, we're going to talk about Graham Glasgow here in about like 15 minutes or so. That's that's a big part of it as I look at it. There's been more pressure on Bo Scarborough. I don't think he put up like amazing numbers, but again, we're talking about a guy who's probably at best going to be like your second or third string on that list. He's not going to be a three-down running back. He doesn't, but he doesn't need to be. The the running back core just needs depth right now to be something functional. I think if you have Kerryon Johnson. You have Bo Scarborough, and then you find like yourself a passing threat. That's a good. That's a good core. That's a good core to build around when it comes to the run game. Yeah, for, and for the I backfield. Mean, the other, the other key to this might be Ty Johnson. Three mm-hmm. carries, sixty-five yards in this game. He actually outrushed the other two guys. Yeah, I think um, that's a little bit more of a flash in the pan thing, but we'll it, see. It absolutely could be because he came into this game with only two hundred eight yards, averaging only three five a carry. So. Um, but it was nice to see him go out there and do something. You know, uh, the Lions had 171 rushing yards in this game, six point of carry. Going back to my original point, that's the way you beat the Packers is you keep the ball out of uh, Aaron Rodgers' hands, even if he's not playing, you know, at his, his best level right now. Um, you you kind of beat the Packers at their own game because the Packers are really a running team. And uh, and the, kind of looking back at it now, I, I probably should have given the Lions more credit going into this game because they're kind of a tough matchup for the Packers. They can stop the run pretty no, well. No, they are. It's, they it's kind of the ball pretty well. Just as with the Bears and Mitch Trubisky thriving on the Lions when they are playing because they're playing man coverage, I think that the Lions thrive on stopping the Packers. It's the one thing they've had a decent. And I, I, I'm curious about your whole blueprint thing because I know that's become a byword for like, hey, the Lions did, you know, decent against this one team. Now this other team is just going to do better. But yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to be the Packers. I think there's a lot of way for the Packers to beat themselves going into the playoffs. And I think a lot of people are going to look at that 13-3 three, record and be like, whoo. Like, I don't think the, I don't think the Eagles are going to beat them, but I stack them up against the 49ers, the Saints. I don't think they win. Yeah, I, I, I think they have a lot of questions to answer after this game, and, and Aaron Rodgers is kind of at the forefront, which is which is an interesting to think because thing it's to new, think it's new territory. Yeah, he he's been a, a Hall of Fame quarterback all his career, and this year especially, he's he's taken a big fall off, and Lions almost capitalized on it, but um, they they have some quarterback issues of their own, and I think that that became really apparent in the second half when Lions offense just completely died. Uh, they they went away from the running game a little bit, but mostly because they just weren't converting third downs through the air. And a lot of that had to do with missing Kenny Galladay in the second half. I mean, the other thing that makes this game a perfect microcosm for the season is that injuries decimated this team in the second half. 
and were a big reason why they lost this game. Kenny Galladay being gone the entire second half, Darius Slay being very hobbled if he was even in the lineup at all in the second half. Um, we're talking about Amani Owarie, who got his second interception. Great. Almost turned the game in the Lions' favor, but he also gave up a really bad touchdown to Devontae Adams, in which he got turned around real hard. And so, I mean, th- that just makes this game so perfectly Lions that um, it was both just kind of entertaining to see and just like, I don't that's know, like, so lions. like what could have been. That's so Lions. That's so Lions. <laughs> really channeling some Disney here. You could, you could sell that. Yeah, this this was a macrocosm of everything in the end. The Lions at least put up a, a fight. It looked like David Blau really wanted that new uh, Ford F-150 from, from Louisiana, which, I mean, I, I think some Lions fans could hook you up with one or something. I don't know. Uh, they pulled out their Week 17 trickeration for, I think, the thir- for the third year in a row, Jeremy. Yep. third year in the row where they don't do it at all, and all of a sudden, it's a roundabout, and hey, David Blau is catching a pass from Danny Amendola. Yeah, that, that was a fun play because literally... Or whoever was, whoever Amendola threw to. I, I missed... No, I you're missed, right, David yeah. Blau. David okay, Blau threw just it. making sure. Caught it. Um, but it, it, it was a play that the beat writers all knew were, was going to come at some point this season because we had seen it all the way back in training camp, and it had apparently been kind of in and out of the play calls since then. Uh, but yeah, you got to unload the playbook in week 17, right? And so, I mean, it was a cool moment for, for David Blau. I mean, when is he ever going to catch a, an NFL touchdown pass again? Answer, probably never. Uh, Danny Amendola is now three for three in the NFL in, in career passes for two touchdowns. Uh, it was good to see him kind of get rewarded for for all of his good play. Unfortunately, he came short of his uh, career receiving yards mark which he only he needed, needed about like 30 yards or something he needed i think also like forgive me if i'm wrong or if i'm confusing him with another player i believe i saw something before the game that he needed like about something ridiculous like 140 yards. 140 to reach a bonus incentive in his contract yeah 250k i think he would have gotten if he had reached 800 yards and uh he fell well short of that unfortunately um very short very very short of that he only had 16 yards in this game so but uh, that. I, I do want to, before we go into uh, the segment about all three kind of major contributors, the one thing I do want to talk about is some of the young players in this game, because obviously week 17 is usually a good time to show off some of your young players, get a chance for them to get some action. Um, I mentioned Amani Orare, who really only got into the game because of Darius Slay's injury. Again, it looked like the Lions were going to play Rashawn Melvin for most of the game. Well, there were a couple other big guys who, who made big plays in this game, and uh, the Lions secondary, I thought, looked decent in this game while like I mentioned before Aaron Rodgers wasn't at his best you had Tracy Walker who I thought had an outstanding game he had two pass breakups not sure how many tackles uh but it had to be kind of up there so he had four tackles um Will Harris had a really cool sack on a, on a well-timed blitz Ty Johnson as we mentioned before had a couple of really really good runs there's reason to be at least a little bit optimistic with some of these guys. Other guys like uh, Austin Bryant again, not much of an impact. But uh, again, nice I, to see some of those I, I'm just giving I'm just giving the ball to Scarborough, and I'll just leave it there. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll come back next year. I already see people in the chat saying, you know, are we going to talk draft? Are we going to talk some other stuff? So, I think we spend a lot of time on this game. It's it's tempting to spend time on this game, but ultimately, like, it is the cherry on the top of this crap Sunday as the Lions end three twelve and eleven. <laughs> 
at the end of the year. And yeah, they put up some fight in the very end. They really did. They they really did. They put up more fight, I think, than they've shown in uh, at least, I'd say what, Jeremy, their last five games. Yeah, you probably have to go back. I don't know. Probably to that Bears game, maybe, or skins. I, I can't. I'm. Yeah, I'm trying to think like they Washington they look probably, but I mean, so there's that. But I you mean, look good against Washington. you'd 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 hope so. You'd hope so. Even the stank Cowboys put up hung forty on them today. So I, it's it's rough. It's a rough sledding. But the season's over now. Uh, the Lions are locked in at third in the draft. Which again, I mentioned this before. It's probably. Outside of Joe Burrow, uh, I'm sorry, um, not Joe Burrow. I'm I've got my head all Jason. twisted. It, it what? Chase Young. Chase Young. I thought you said Jason. I thought you were going to screw me up even more. You're outside of Chase Young territory, uh, probably, unless again Washington does a boo boo. But I think you know Joe Burrow is going to Cincinnati, and then after that Chase Young will go to. This is barring anything happening in the national title game or Chase Young going back to school, which I don't think is going to happen. But that's your one and two. So I guess for Lions fans, your question is, what's after that? And I've been big about edge rush. Uh, I think with Chase Young off the board, I am now open to other options, particularly cornerback, considering that, and this is a tease for next segment, the Lions seem to want to just burn this down completely with one of their with at least one of their players. We we've we've got some we I we I need your help parsing what has been coming out from afterwards because as I said, we you've got some positivity here, Jeremy, but listening to some of the players, there's some negativity and there's a lot of reasons to be down and there's been bad news this this week altogether. So we're gonna try to parse all of that when we come back. Maybe a little draft talk. Uh, get your questions in, hashtag AskPOD, or in the Twitch chat. Uh, we're going to try to have some fun in the third segment. I don't know what we're going to do yet. Uh, I've been working very hard this week, so I am like trying to write notes right here for myself as we are doing this. It's not how I intended my last podcast to look like. I was hoping to have a lot more planned, and unfortunately, I'm adequate. And that's what it is. But when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, three names, three names spoke after the Packers game. All of them have their stories to tell. And I think there are good storylines to talk about from them. And we're going to tell you who who they are, those developments and where we feel they're going and where the lines are going with them next on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on the Pride of Detroit PODcast again. Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Sitting around, honestly, I've got a bottle of uh, bourbon here, Jeremy. I feel like just taking shots as we end the year. I don't know what for. I don't know even a drinking game to do it with. It could happen at any moment. But I feel (laughs) like we should talk about, to take it from me being completely unserious, do something serious about three players in the locker room after the game on Sunday. And all of them kind of had very, I don't know if I'd say bleak messages, but definitely, definitely words that we have to pond, We have to sit around and ponder here. Uh, yeah. Where do you want to start? What interests you the most? I feel like Damon Harrison is the yeah. natural place to start. Let's, let's start there. Cause it was certainly the most surprising of, of the news. Um, it actually came down in the middle of the game, there were some rumors put out there on Twitter and, and you never know whether, whether to believe them or not. Cause they're not coming from necessarily the biggest sources that Damon Harrison injuries were causing him to consider retirement. And though he didn't come out and say those exact words after the game, he certainly made it apparent that that is what's going on with him. Yeah. Sorry. I'm digging back. Um, you know, here's these quotes here. Uh, I got to talk it over. I've got to talk it over with my family, try to seek some different options. But if I do walk away, I'm not ashamed. I don't feel bad because I gave everything I had, even when it wasn't good enough. Uh, I've given everything I have to every team I've played for. I don't feel bad if, if you know, this is the decision. I got a lot of thinking to do this off season. I'm going to seek some different opinions, but I can't be that guy I want to be. But if I can't be that guy I want to be, then I got to hang it up. Yeah. So no decision yet from him. Uh, I know Matt Patricia has said for several guys thinking about retirement, just take their time. Uh, it's and, and I, yeah, I it's think it's, it's devastating. Do. Yeah. No, he's it's, he's going to think about it. And I, it's just it's tough because although I wasn't in front of him when it was happening, um, I was in the locker room when he when he was making that speech and and you know, crying through it, you know, very tearful, emotional speech about how the injuries caught up to him this year. And he, I mean, the the biggest quote to me and and the most heartbreaking one is my mind is still telling me I can do it, but my body is just not there. And, you know, professional athletes are so confident, so cocky, so, um, you know, used to being the best guy out there on the field. And for a long time, snacks was the best run stuffing, nose tackle in football and for him to go out there at the end of the season talking in front of dozens and dozens of reporters and saying I'm not who I used to be my body isn't you know up to my own standards that's an incredibly brave thing to do and an incredibly heartbreaking thing to see because I mean he he said it himself like if he's not out there performing the best of his abilities because of his body he owes it to his family he owes it to the fans he owes it to the team hang him up and that's that's a tough fa- fact to face and and maybe his body gets it together um but the fact remains that like 
if you were one of the people that were paying attention to the injury reports every week, not only was he on it every single game after week eight, but like every week it seemed to be another person. First, it was his groin. Then it was his knee. Then it was his calf. Then it was his shoulder. You know, he it was would something have breaking somewhere. You would have those injury reports that was like knee slash calf slash shoulder slash veteran days off, like a four time thing. And he said it himself, like every week it was something else. And it was, it was mentally and physically tolling on him. And you have to, to, to really think like this might be it for the guy. And if that's the case, the Lions have another really, really big hole on the roster because nose tackle run stuffing nose tackle is not only a key to this defense, um, but it's it's a position it's a position where the lines don't really have a backup right now. You can say like Deshaun Hand, um, but that's a different type type of defensive tackle. Yeah, He's and a listen, they, guy. He's sixty pounds lighter <clears throat> than Sacks. They need a big Vince Wilfork, Damon Harrison guy. And if he's not going to stick around, that's that's a. I mean, we saw the defense transform last year when he was around, and he he didn't play his best this year. Um, and and the lines, you, you know, I th- I think the lines defense was worse for it. And listen, I, I, I just, it's, it's a piece that the lions don't have time to fix up. They, they, we need them to be a contender in 2020. That's, that's what's on there on the wall. So like him being lost is a huge blow right now. I see someone in the chat, XLN, uh, telling us Derek Brown is there at three. Uh, I'm just going to look that up real quick because again, my, I, I am also kind of a pass rushing guy. He's, he's, Definitely not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I need a pass rush for this, but same. at the same time, like as you say, like this, this three four has relied on really big guys up front, like Ashawn Robinson and Damon Harrison, run stuffing guys that can set can set the uh, set the table for for the linebackers. And without a guy like Snacks there, it's going to take a serious blow. And the Lions signed this guy to a modest extension uh, this year, two years. He would have had one more, I believe. Um, was it was, it, yeah, it was a one-year extension. He was already signed. One-year extension with some signed. more money here in 2019. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I mean, it's not a huge blow as far as the Lions, but it's it's uh, it's it's a problem because like I felt like the Lions could have locked him up a lot longer time. And maybe that impacts how he feels coming out after this game. I don't know. I don't know how much the money is a consideration. Um, I can't imagine for anyone when you're dealing with that kind of health to also be worrying about what's going to happen when you're in a contract year again coming up here. Uh, I, but yeah, I just I, there, there's a lot floating really around in his head. There's all, all that's that's there that's is. all I'm trying to say is like because when it's when it is injuries, it's more than just injuries sometimes too. I'm not saying like. His financial decision is the reason he's here, but it, it has to play at least a small part in there as well while he's sitting there thinking about like I when he when he was talking about fighting through it, you know, fighting and giving his all for every team, my mind goes to again that like this is a guy who's kind of hoping to stop bouncing around, who's who was hoping to find a spot here in Detroit. And I was hoping to see him, you know be it his health or anything else, something to take off that says, you you can stop worrying about where you need to go, good guy. Like, just do your job here and you'll be good. And various things just didn't work out that way, and a lot of that is his health. Uh, the, contract, the contract situation is a lot more of an issue with Graham Glasgow, but I know you want to get in the last word here. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just don't think money has much of anything to do with it with him. I mean, the Lions, I don't want to say did him a favor by extending him, but they they kind of went out of their own comfort zone. He he wasn't in a contract year this year. He was signed through 2020, and the Lions gave him an extra year. And so while that's not a long-term deal, I don't think Snacks was realistic and realistically expecting one at age 30, um, you know, with, with where he was in his career. I and And just to be clear, like, there's already some fan backlash about how snacks played the system. You know, he got his extension this off season. Now he's retiring. And, and again, let's be clear. He hasn't retired yet. He's considering it. Um, any of that, but let, let's also be clear about snacks. He was playing at his peak last year. He was playing very well. Um, he deserved an extension. The lions were probably right in doing it things just kind of got unfortunate and, and got out of everyone's hands, out of out of everyone's control. The guy went through a ton of injuries. He's now going to be entering 2020 as, as, as a 31-year-old guy who has injuries to every part of his body, might need off-season surgery, we don't know. And, and now he's considering retiring. There's no, there's no, You can be frustrated about how the situation played out and maybe it's going to cost the Lions more money than it should, but you can't really be mad at anyone. It was just an unfortunate turn of events. Let's talk about uh, two other guys here. I want to move on to Graham Glasgow, who uh, you want to talk about. This is this is where, if, if you are frustrated with some of the stuff that's going on with this team right now, it comes out with Glasgow. Uh, I know we've talked before, Jeremy, about how this offensive line has been rotating almost nonstop, and it's beyond frustrating to watch it happen. No one seems to have figured out the five that are going to be guarding Stafford or whoever was trying to take over for Stafford once he got hurt. And Glasgow had been seeking extension. The Lions have not given him so far. Uh, it looks like he's going to be going into free agency. And he said to the effect that, like, you know, he, he wants to feel like he's wanted. Um, yeah. I forgot the quote here. It's been a long year. I like to feel like I'm wanted, sort of. It's just been a long year, and ideally we kind of need to talk about it. So what he's telling you is like he doesn't feel wanted in Detroit. And uh, I would advise the Lions to figure out how to fix this real quick because you don't have time to be messing around fixing up your offensive line again. You really don't. You've got several pending contracts coming up. And uh, God, man, like I, I just I don't understand it. I just don't understand how you got here. This is the thing that frustrated me the most with the Boston boys. Uh, which, if you're new to the podcast, is what I call Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia because I think Patriot Way is just a terrible idea to call this. Just It's exhausting to look at what's going on with Graham Glasgow and think, you kind of need this guy going into 2020, or you need someone like him to fill his role. And without a tangible solution on the horizon that isn't going to cost you resources that you kind of really need to fix up other holes, this... I, I just don't get it. I don't get how we got here. I don't get how you got here with this. And it feels frustrating because this is a team that I've always kind of considered takes care of their own. In the past few years, it really has not. A lot of guys have just kind of gone out that door and felt frustrated in the end dealing with the Lions. And for Glasgow, I, I'm i not going to pretend he was the best offensive lineman, but he was a lot better than, than you know some of the other options the Lions have gone to while repeatedly rotating their offensive line. I thought he deserved a starting job a lot of the time this year. 
And I'm just not sure what happened here. And I'm tired of hearing about how it's just he's not, you know, Bob Quinn's guy or he's not a Matt Patricia's guy because it's so frustrating. I, I said this last time. The best coaches in the NFL work like they're on Iron Chef. If you tell them you've got to make five dishes with mushrooms, they will make five dishes with mushrooms. And bad coaches will go, this isn't steak. I can't make anything with this. I can't make beef wellington. And suddenly we're just at an impasse. So I, I don't know, Jeremy. I, I'm frustrated over what's the words I've seen out of Graham Glasgow's mouth today. It's frustrating yeah. mostly because even putting again uh, my my paeans against uh, Bob Quinn and the Boston boys aside, it's frustrating because this is kind of like with Damon Harrison. It's hell that the Lions really need to work through that they just don't need going into 2020. They should have this figured out and just they don't. Well, I, I don't know if they do or they don't, but the one thing that seems clear is that they aren't interested in Graham Glasgow. I don't think this is the point where they're they're being mean to him and, and neglecting him. I think there's just no interest there. And I don't I know, like but that's you, it. Like, like it's, why? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he's been an above average guy. He's been a versatile guy. If the line center goes down, he jumps in and starts a game at center. If the left guard goes down, he's more than capable to slide over to the left side or the right side. And he's done so at an above-average level. He's been healthy and reliable. The guy only missed one snap from 2017 to 2018. And to be clear on this, because I'm this year, I'm seeing. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish, but like, I'm just seeing what some of Twitch is saying. Like, he has been seeking. Graham was ex- seeking an extension with the Lions. This yeah. isn't a case of someone trying to test the markets of free, the waters of free agency. He would like to be wanted here in Detroit. Yeah, of course he would. I mean, he's played football here for the past decade of his life. I mean, uh, he he seems to get along with everyone in the locker room. He's well liked. He's got a great personality. He works hard. Even even his offensive, uh, even Daryl Bevel says like he brings a little bit of nastiness. Or I don't remember the exact word he said, but. Um, I think he said grumpiness, which is kind of an interesting choice <laughs> of word. I, I think I think we've established from what happens to offensive linemen after they leave the game. Grumpiness is perfect. You want yeah, grumpiness. Exactly. It makes for good offensive linemen. And so Graham, I was I was right there when when he was talking today, and and he he didn't go as far to say is that he doesn't feel unwanted in Detroit. Some you know, I, I believe it was, it was uh, Rothstein who asked him, you know, do you feel like you aren't wanted because of all the rotation they did this year because they didn't extend you. And he said, you know, I, I don't really want to get into that. I don't, I don't want to talk about it, but sure. The absolute in, implications of his words is that, yeah, he, he doesn't feel wanted. And, and he said, you know, he said earlier in the week that he's still open to hears there to, to stay here. He just, there needs to be talks. There needs to be talks. And the lines have now until March to engage in those talks and, and offer him a fair deal, whether it's a, and, and, and it'll cost him. And I think that obviously has a lot to do with this. It's probably going to cost him eight, nine, 10 million a year to, to keep a guy like Lasco around. But with a team that has so many questions and so many holes, it, it really does seem like a slam dunk to just get it done. And, and the fact that they didn't do it before the season means it's probably going to cost them a little more now. Um, and and I don't know. I, to me, it just doesn't seem like they're interested in doing it, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. Uh, also, what I can't figure out why is a lot of the stuff going on with Darius Slay. Darius Slay spoke after the game, and honestly, Jeremy, I think this is this is unfortunate because even though hobbled, Darius Slay played out his mind today. 
against the Green Bay Packers. And I feel like just I feel like this bridge, if Graham Glasgow is trying to to hang on to this bridge, I don't think. I think Slay is done here. Uh, here's the quote. If it is, it is. I play the, this game. It's a business. I just like to work hard, play the game, and go home and see my kids. Uh, when asked to clarify I wanted to play for the Lions next season, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, of course, I want to. If it ain't, I'm Gucci. I mean, I'm blessed. And to be honest, I'm one of the best in this game. I'm not going to lose sleep about any of that. None of that. So, I mean... It's un, you can take it as he's either kicked back and just whatever happens happens, but it's hard for me to read that and not think about the background we've had with uh, the Lions and Slay. Kind of just we we we've seen it before with Slay being unhappy with some of the moves the Lions has may have made, questions about his future, questions about his contract, and. I, I don't know. Do you is Slay on the cards here? Is Slay still on the cards here? I'm I, I know I'm asking you to make the judgment right now. Do it now. Tell me right now. What do you think? I've been going back and forth for this for for several weeks, really since the the Quandre Diggs trade, which is obviously when Slay started talking um, about his discontent with really right. just the NFL in general and and the business side of things. And I think he's certainly frustrated with the business side of things of how things went this year. He, he held out, wanted to get a contract, didn't happen. Um, that being said, I do think this coaching staff values. Him. I do think this coaching staff knows the value of a really big shutdown corner. And I do think they are the kind of defense and defensive minded team that, that values coverage over pass rush. Right. I mean, We've seen it with all their their moves that they made this offseason. Um, we've seen it with with Matt Patricia's defense in the past. We see it with the Patriots right now. They don't have a lot of great pass rushers on their team, but they have an amazing secondary, and that's what the Lions want to be. And so they can't really afford to get rid of Slay. They can't really afford to trade him unless they get something, you know, something massive in return. And that's why they didn't trade him at the deadline, even though his name came up several times and several teams were obviously interested in him. They understand his value. They know he's valuable. Now, they are also keenly aware that extending a guy that's nearing 30, and, and let's be honest, Slay's body is starting to de- deteriorate. His play is starting to, to take at least a, a noticeable step down. He's still very, very good. And and so extending a guy like that is is tough. Are the he's, Lions he's maybe banking on Amani Arorarie taking the next step this year, uh, next year as well? Well, if, or if maybe are, Tracy Walker, to, certainly Tracy Walker is, is a big part of this team's future. And I think he's going to be a star if he isn't already. But if, if the Lions' plan is Amani Oruwari to take over CB1 or CB2, why the hell wasn't he starting in the last year? Yeah. <laughs> um, so no, I don't, I don't think he is. And yeah, and you've um, heard this, like, I know the first draft of Todd McShay is like, oh yeah, the Lions at five will take a cornerback. Um, Fakuda, yeah. Yeah. And well, and here's the thing: whether Slay is around next year or not, and and let's also be clear, he is still under contract for for one more year. Um, Okuda is is definitely in play because Slay, if he hangs around, is probably not going to be lo- around long. And and you might as well take Okuda along slowly if Slay's in town to to kind of teach him stuff. And also, there's the CB two spot, right? Um, Rashawn Melvin was on a one year deal, didn't play that well this year. Amani Ovarie, two interceptions. Nice, um, but still has a lot of work to do elsewhere. He wasn't great outside of those two interceptions, and like I said, the team wasn't even starting him in the past two in the last two games, which gives you a sign that maybe they don't think he's necessarily the guy 
to, to start for them next year. So the Lions have a tough decision on Slay. I don't really have a read on what's going to happen. Um, the fact that they didn't extend him last year, again, it, it was kind of a weird situation. They don't typically extend guys when they're not in their contract year. So maybe they be maybe they're a little more aggressive this season. Um, but there there obviously some some discontent between him and the front office that that they'll have to work through. Um, but ultimately, I do think this team values Darius Slay, and they certainly that if they trade away him in the trade him away in the offseason, they're going to have to get they're going to have to get a, a starting caliber corner in return, and then also probably some draft caliber to to spend it on a developmental guy. So I. I don't think it happens whether that means Darius Slay holds out or whether it means the Lions give him an extension. Those are two possibilities. I just don't think the Lions are in a position to afford sending Slay away, especially if they're in that, you know, the, we keep bringing it back to this ultimatum that they have where they the have to ultimatum win. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't you can't give Slay away if that's your thing. Right, and that's what baffles me again about the Graham Glasgow thing, man. As you say, this yeah. is a veteran player. You kind of need him on this boat going into 2020 so i don't understand this with slay i don't understand this with with glasgow and it hurts a lot to see it with harrison because you need all three of those guys for 2020 in my book and it would be nice if even if you lose two of those three guys that's not good all right we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll take questions uh we'll take some thoughts we'll just uh talk about what's on our minds let's talk about the offseason talk about things to come and so much else is a grab bag of goodies here as we wrap up the pride of detroit pod cast the last of the decade as is want to be say the last of the decade jeremy doesn't it feel special oh yeah this team this team definitely seems special time hashtag ask pod as always to get your questions in or join us on twitch chat when we are live on 8 p.m eastern jeremy these are going to continue live into the off season uh are you maybe going to consider changing the time or is 8 p.m uh still where we're sitting for the short term we'll probably keep it around that time just so that our loyal viewers that are watching live will, will yeah. know when to show up um i guess it also depends on wildcard weekend i would like to watch the wildcard games next weekend i think most of the time they're done before by 8 p.m so yeah that'll be fine but um a lot depends on who our cast will be and we're still kind of working out some details there and, yeah um it, it might shift I'll, I'll be honest um sunday nights usually well, definitely kind of a shift. good night though um so so we'll see well, it's definitely going to shift if that's your question. So, it shifted. Shifted. No, it's it's it going to shift. It's going the the cast is going to shift, Jeremy. Yes. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. Okay. Uh Loaded Beans question is more, who is more valuable or retained in free agency, Ashawn or Graham Glasgow? Now, Ashawn has been injured a bit, but I know he's been kind of important to once again the same thing with Snacks Harrison, where it's, you know, stuffing the run, being big and burly up front. 
Uh, and there's real questions about if he is part of the plans for this team moving forward. He is not. He's not one of Bob Quinn's guys, if I remember correctly, right? I, I kind of get that. Um, no, I believe he was his in the first draft. He had Ashawn was, was yeah. I couldn't remember if it was his pick. first, if it was his first draft or or Mayhew's last. I think, yeah. but but either way, I think the answer to your question depends on Damon Harrison. If Damon yeah. Harrison decides to retire, then Ashawn suddenly becomes a lot more valuable to this team. That being said, Ashawn has not been playing at a great level for m- most of his four years in Detroit. Um, really slow start to his career. Kind of had a bit of a resurgence last year during part of the year, probably partially thanks to Snacks playing as well as he was. And then le- this year again, he kind of fell into obscurity. I think part of the problem is that Ashawn is such a one-dimensional guy. Um, he he can't really move the pocket um, in terms of pass rush much, and that's something the Lions missed considerably this year. Mm-hmm. He's pretty good at, at stuffing the run, but he's not as good as as a guy like Snacks. So um, if the Lions lose both Snacks and Ashawn this year, which is now looking like a, a very big possibility, Ashawn is not is, is potentially becoming a free agent. Um, that's a big hit to this team. That being said, I still think Graham Glasgow is, a, is the priority. I, th- I still think we saw, we saw enough. Honestly, I thought the Lions offensive line in general this season was good. Not great. Not bad. I think it was good. We saw flashes of the run game being as good as it potentially could have been, especially in the second half of the season. The, the run, de- run offense looked good, and part of that sure was Bo Scarborough. Part of that was, was maybe facing some worse defenses. But overall, we saw more flashes in this run game than we've seen in several years. Pass protection was good enough. wasn't great, again, was good enough. We saw Taylor Decker rebound. I want to keep this group as close together as possible. Maybe make a change at right tackle, but the interior of the offensive line showed me a lot this year that I didn't think they were capable of, and I I want that to stick around. Question from how am I not myself? Do you think the Lions try to claim some of Snack's money if he retires? (laughs) I think they learned their lesson. I would really hope hope, I would really hope they learned their lesson and not do that. I mean, it's 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 certainly a different situation than, than Calvin, because this isn't a guy that's been a foundation of the, the team for, for years and years and years and years, but they took such a bad PR hit and rightfully so for what they did to Calvin that I would hope whatever, I I don't know what his signing bonus is um, on his new contract. It's probably something I should look up right now, Uh, but I would hope not just, just take, take the hit. It's it's not gonna it's, not, it's fine. It's just prevent money. a Super Bowl. His signing is uh, 2.5 million in 2020. Is that it prorated per year? That's just what's on Spot Track right now. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it's prorated. I don't know the details. That's just what Spot Track is telling me right now. With a five with a five hundred thousand dollar roster bonus and a two hundred fifty thousand workout bonus so uh okay yeah that? so his the signing bonus was for seven million seven point five million spread out over the next three years so yep. prorated they, they could if he retires try to get back five million because that's how much is remaining on the cap hit i would hope they they don't go after that maybe they do maybe they don't um, not after all of it yeah <clears throat> Like I think you give him what's he, what he's owed in 2020 or something. I I don't know. Um, that's a rough one because of the amount there. 
Like this wasn't this wasn't just like a this isn't I mean, yeah, that's a lot more money. But either way. Uh let's see here. Let's go with this question from Excellent. Uh is Marvin Jones out of here? <sighs> that's a tough one too. I, I don't think the Lions again, it's 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 a situation where there's no real reason to move on from him. Um he has finished the last two years on IR um in terms of separation. He's he's not all that, but you also have to remember he he crossed over a thousand yards again. He was right behind Kenny Galladay in terms of passing touch or receiving touchdowns this year. Um he, he's under contract another year, so I I, I don't see it, it's just it's a situation where why create another hole when you don't need to. Maybe he has trade value, maybe he, he tries to hold out for a new contract. Um, but I think I think you keep him around for another year and make and then kind of kick the decision down another year. Let's talk about backup quarterback. We've got a question here from Four Lions Forest. Do they keep Blau as a backup? Did he show enough? LJ Baroff is also asking, do they keep Blau or Driscoll? Who who in your mind are they keeping either of these guys as backups or are they just gonna go back to the pond and keep fishing? I think Driscoll has shown enough where I'm intrigued enough to bring him back another year. The Lions kind of had an added dimension when he was in the game. You know, he was running the ball pretty well. They they ran some some read option stuff, mm-hmm. and and we know how much this team loves running the ball. So I, I do think Driscoll showed enough, and he had he had a fairly decent arm too. Certainly better than what the Lions have had in Europe's past. Um, in terms of David Blau, I'm done. I mean, yeah, I know I, he's I'm an not. undrafted rookie. I know I'm good. He could potentially develop into something, but um, he he just has not looked competent out there in the past three four weeks um inaccurate very inaccurate to start this game um made a horrible decision on the interception that eventually led to the game winning score i want to say um better the game tying score uh and yeah i don't i i you know you you do need to give him a little bit of time since he's an undrafted rookie and all that but and and he was certainly forced into a bad situation where you know, the lines are now down a lot of their weapons with Hawkinson and, and Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, even in the second half, all gone. But I, I just don't see a lot of promise in, in, in anything that he's doing right now. He, at one game, it looks like he's climbing the pocket and reading all this pressure really well, going through his progressions really well. And then the next game, he'll look like he's a completely different quarterback who, who doesn't know how to do any of that. And inconsistencies are going to happen in your rookie year. I, I'm aware of that. I understand that, but um, maybe he sticks around as the third string again this year, and that's fine. He's, you can keep him around as a developmental guy and, and, and hope that maybe he progresses in year two. Um, but at this, this point, I'm much more comfortable Jeff Driscoll kind of having that backup job than I am Blau. All right, question here from Steelzy. Do you think it was, did you think it was right to fire Kitchens from the Browns? Uh, let me take this one. Go for it. Three parts. Yes, yes, and hell yes. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm i trying not to be this person. I was having this conversation with someone that it's it just it doesn't feel right to call for anyone's job at the end of the day because like I've lost jobs before and I know just kind of the pain that comes with it. On the other hand, I know that when I've been talking about Patricia, I've voiced my issues with him from the very beginning. And there's some more personal things there that I just don't want to even get into. Uh, on the other hand, 
for Freddie Kitchens, like it was time to just let this thing end, man. It has gotten so bad in Cleveland. Worse, you you got to understand Cleveland probably has the most talented roster it's had in a long while, and Kitchens just has let it just go to chaos in there. Just absolute abject chaos. He's not done anything you want a coach to do there. I don't. You you have that list, Jeremy, of all the coaches that the Browns have gone through under Jimmy Haslam. It's staggering. It's staggering. It, on yes. this, on but on the other hand, I find it hard to sit here and argue patience on Freddie Kitchens in any which way. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of in the same conundrum as you because I part of the reason I'm kind of for keeping Matt Patricia around is for this exact reason that I think changing head coaches every other year is is a plan to look exactly like the Cleveland Browns when even you have a talented roster as they absolutely do right now it all fell apart in in tragic fashion in ridiculous fr- fashion and and you remember if you think back to when they they made that hire He's he was part of that wave of guys that, if I'm not mistaken, had you know touched Sean McVay. So he he was suddenly a head coaching candidate. You know, he's one of these young um offensive minds that's a genius, and that's that's where the, the league is heading. That's where you need to get your next head coaches, these guys that are just up and coming. And this was a guy who went from QB coach to offensive coordinator to head coach in the matter of like six months or something crazy like that. And so it was a mistake from the get go, and and maybe it makes sense to cut ties right down. I, I'm not that close. It's just to the it's so toxic. The, whatever is yeah, happening. The one thing, yeah. the one thing that I think is is really telling, and it's it's our buddy Jeff Risden who works for Lion or Lions and Browns Wire, and he'll be the first one to tell you that it's a mess there in Cleveland, a bigger mess than it is in Detroit. And we all know how a lot of people think about what the culture is like in Detroit, and the the you know the trials and tribulations of going from you know a, a guy like Jim Caldwell to a guy like uh, Matt Patricia, you're going to lose a lot of guys in that locker room. He's saying it's much 10, I think he even said it was like 10 times worse in Cleveland. So that just goes to show you how dysfunctional it's gotten. And, yeah, it's, and it's been case, on display. Maybe nothing was going to work. It's been on display. Like you had to make that change in Cleveland. I think the future is, can still be bright in Cleveland. The next question is, can you salvage what's going on with Baker Mayfield? Um, I don't believe, I, I know there's been people out there once again blaming a lot of the faults of the quarterbacking in Cleveland on Baker's attitude. I don't see it that way. People are like, oh, he's doing commercials. He's talking about me. That's not it. Maybe it's just he's not good. I don't know. <laughs> Hate to say it like that. Hate to say the, that they should go back to the well for a quarterback, but maybe he just needs time to grow into that. Like, And maybe he just needs a coach who isn't just a complete moron. <laughs> The, the most damning thing I think I heard was it him that said something to like the I thought of like, like the idea that when he was scheme plays to win like Freddie Kitchens like that sh- I'm baffled that shirt that he had what was that shirt he had from the Steelers is like you know we what was the what was the Freddie Kitchen I, I'm trying to remember what was on that shirt now because he wore that shirt after that whole dust up with the Steelers oh yeah the Steelers Steeler Pittsburgh started it mm-hmm like, what are you doing? I mean, listen, I like a good, like, quit back all I can, but, like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? This this was the moment I was out on Freddie Kitchens. The Quote, t-shirt? Oh, this one. We don't draw up plays to beat 
the other team. We play football. That's what we want to be. I can't get oh more clear God. than that. I know you know that about me. We want to be a football team. We don't want to be the designer of plays. Are you fucking kidding me? I see. <laughs> I that just feels like such coach speak. Someone asked him something very anodyne about drawing up plays, and he probably came up with that because like his brain is so broken. I'm trying to talk like a coach, but at the same time, also wearing shirts like Pittsburgh started it. <laughs> All right, you want to take some draft questions here, or do you know who uh, half these guys you know are? The or should that I? Because like that's the problem. Like I feel like I need to save half these draft questions for when we actually have people in here that can tra- talk draft. We can sit around. Let me take this one here from Mario Fanboy fifteen because this was something I was really considering right up until Washington choked on bones. Uh, will the Bengals have a galaxy brain moment and draft Chase Young even when they need a new quarterback badly? Listen, <laughs> I, I I've been seven freaking touchdowns in the first half of the whatever bowl. He's he he's oh, my, the peach ball. Yeah. Like, holy God. Like, can I ask you? Cause you were, the, you, I know you're not much of a college guy, but you, you saw the 2012 national title, right? Say that Alabama, again, you saw the 2012 national title, Alabama, Notre Dame, right? Yeah, sure. What in no. your mind is a more embarrassing loss? 42 to 12 Alabama over Notre Dame or the 60 that LSU hung on Oklahoma? Well, it's tough because right now LSU looks like so much better than everyone else. Yeah. Like, I don't think Clemson has a shot. Yeah, so, I, I know. Like, a lot of people, it was funny because we were all talking a lot more about the Clemson Ohio State game because of the blown calls and that. But yeah, I don't know. Like, LSU, and maybe it's just people, I think people are not giving LSU cred still because they're saying, oh, Oklahoma's that Big 12 defense. But back to Joe Burrows, though. Uh, see, I think, Jeremy, you would like to say you can build your team from the outside in and then plug in a quarterback, and that would yeah. be great. And that's my argument for them. If if you're going to say for them, should the Bengals take Chase Young over Joe Burrows, that is my argument if you want to argue that side. Both, I think, are generational talent. Both, I think, are really good. But let me tell you something, man. Joe Burrows is from Ohio. He He mentioned in his Heisman speech southeast ohio and growing up around there when he was accepting his heisman award you know talking about living in the poverty that of the region and everything um if nothing else the marketability of him playing in cincinnati is through the roof yeah like you will put so many people in seats just by saying you have joe burrow at the same time too i think he is also like you saw it. You saw it. You see, you've seen his talent. He can do great things. He can do great things for Cincinnati. I just worry about how he's going to perform with that Cincinnati offensive line and without the pieces around him to succeed. Because you know how it is with quarterbacks in this league. Yeah. It is a catch-22. You need to have the pieces around you to succeed or else people will think you are the one who is the bad quarterback. Yeah. That's just the, the cruel thing we do with quarterbacks in this league. And that's been my argument about taking Chase Young. Take Chase Young, take the Ohio State kid, get yourself a unbeatable pass rush, and then go for a quarterback. But Joe Burrow, man, it's hard I mean, to pass up on it. A franchise quarterback is so hard to find. Yeah. That 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 seems like a, a sure thing. And and Joe Burrow, not saying he's a sure thing, but he's just about he looks as it. good. He, yeah. he, I mean, he's passed every eye test at this point. Um, 
He's doing it in big deep games against good defensive backs. Um, granted, NFL caliber defensive backs. Receiver. He has a, a stellar receiving core too. Um, sure, he's going to have AJ Green and or whatever. He's going to have AJ Green when he goes down to Cincinnati. <clears throat> Maybe, <laughs> in Maybe. the twilight of his career. Poor guy had to deal with Andy Dalton his entire career. I don't think AJ Green's going nowhere. He's going to end his career in Cincinnati, though. So maybe, yeah. Um, it is funny because of this because we're talking Chase Young. Because I did, if I did have more of a broken brain, I would have liked to talk in the off season if the Lions had gotten number two, and if the Bengals had taken Chase Young, would you consider Joe Burrow's, and then maybe getting a package out for Stafford because you're in a weird spot again. You'd, you'd have to strip all the context away that this is a win-now year for, for Patricia and Quinn and everything else, um, and that makes it a non-reality. But I think if I was get, putting a fan in charge as their first year as a GM and tell them, hey, would you want to do this? I'd be curious what the answer is there. I really would be. And I'm, I'm saying this as someone who has a deep respect for, for Stafford and still thinks Stafford has good years, but at the same time, like with the state of this team... I wonder how much is thinking about the future. I know you, you're, you're, you're looking like so you. disgusted with me. I don't like you for saying this. Well, you know what you can do? You can fire me right now. <laughs> now I want you to stick around for a couple more days. couple more days. Uh, <laughs> I, we've got a lot of questions. I'm going to save these questions. Uh, Jer- I'm going to save these for Jeremy. We are going to try to do a draft. I'm going to make sure Jeremy does a draft devoted mailbag at some point. So if you send us a question here, especially excellent and LJ Baruf and uh, a few other people in here. We're there. We're going to get to those questions. It just, we're going to get to Yeah. I'll say it right now. This is my only draft take. You'll get this early. I think both Derek Brown and Jeff Okuda make a ton of sense at number three. Yeah. And both will probably be talented players. I just want to take this time uh, at the end of the podcast here. Jeremy, I forgot to get this to you before the show. Um, can you play something over the uh, chat if you could? Sure. Uh, let me get a YouTube up while I am talking. Unfortunately, this is not going to be very, you know, <laughs> this is not going to be very graceful on the podcast. I apologize right away. But. I've been doing this for four years here. It's been very real. It's been very fun. Um, I hate that I'm going. I hate that I've been kind of made to leave in various ways. I hate that this is the way it is. I know we're talking about a lot of different plans. You guys have been awesome. Um, I don't know what happens next. I really hope that uh, you're around and Follow me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. I hope and haven't pissed a lot of people off. I'm sorry I don't really follow back with a lot of people. I have not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination on this show. But um, this has always been a service at the end of the day. It's been a service for you guys. It's been something that's uh, saved me for myself more than a few times. And it's like, I, I feel bad because sometimes we lose that community every now and then. Sometimes we have to gain it back. Uh, we haven't had a lot of jokes this year. And I'm going to be working from behind the scenes for at least January while we figure things out. 
and making sure this keeps going on. After that, I don't know. Uh, this is the part where I'm handing off the sword to Jeremy because I don't know what else to say. Um, I don't like talking about myself a lot uh, because my problem is that as someone who's got Italian-American in him, it means I'm, I talk a lot and I end up pissing off people because I talk a lot. And uh, listen, for me, radio is a... Uh, it's a salve. It helps you when I, I, I've always said this, that talking into a microphone is a great source of therapy. It, it worked for you. I mean, it worked for me so well when I was finishing up my, uh, my undergraduate that I just decided I wanted to make a whole career out of it. And I'm not there yet. I'm hoping that, you know, it could be a podcast, or maybe in a radio down the line. Uh, I know how hard it is to re rebuild things and i don't know if i have that energy in me but i've got to try i've just got to try at this point but uh, i wouldn't be able to do this without jeremy and all that we've done in creating pride of detroit because i think for people who don't know the story in 2015 jeremy uh you were on the staff but then we hired myself and ryan matthews and a few other people uh, I was originally brought on as a news guy. I was at the time in Chicago. A guy from Reddit College Football actually got me credentialed to cover Big Ten Media Days because I was doing a podcast that I posted on their site. And I got to go there. Um, and while I was in that room, I just I wanted to keep growing. And I saw the application to do Pride of Detroit. And I'm like, sure, I've been doing college football. Let's try my hand at pro football. T try my hand at all this. And before I know it, I'm, I'm with you guys. And then before we know it, Sean's out the door. And we had to figure everything out on the fly. And that was special. That, that really was. Uh, because no one handed us a blueprint. No one told us really what to do. You had your, your vision of what should happen. And I had mine. And... We all kind of worked out a lot of different things. We've seen a lot of different things. And uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't handle well when things end. I, I really don't. So I'm still processing a lot of it. And I wish I could say that um, I was happy for the time here. And I, I am. I am. And I'm going to let you talk or any other people talk. I'm seeing a lot of stuff in chat right now. And I don't really even want to start because it brings attention to me but um and i had a whole speech written up and i just kind of blew <laughs> it up because i was working so much this week so the yeah the the one thing i want to point out was just how much of a clusterfuck that first year was for me <laughs> when i took over oh my god and man everything was gone and suddenly there were new people all around me and i was taking on an enormous task in filling Sean Ewell's shoes who did so much for pride of Detroit in his seven, eight years as managing editor and mostly did it by himself. I can't imagine doing that with all the support that I've gotten from the staff in, in my four years as managing editor and a lot of, and, and a lot of that goes to you because you were always, you from the get go took this job more seriously than I think anyone. Um, you cared about, the site you cared about the ethics of the site you cared about 
um, the perception you cared about hard work. And when, you know, I'm at channeling everyone in Slack and no one is responding. If you're half awake at 4 a.m. Pacific <laughs> time, I'm still getting an answer from you. Yeah. Um, and when you came to me with the idea of, of the podcast in that first year, I thought it was a great idea. There weren't a lot of Lions podcasts out there. Because I was way in over my head, I had no interest in being part of it. But just after listening to a couple episodes and seeing how much fun you guys were having and, and having that sex, that kind of outlet outside of writing to kind of let loose and, and talk improvisationally and, and, and just kind of let your opinions flow, I immediately got jealous and wanted to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, the fun police had to come in. <laughs> and I think that that's a credit to you not only kicking off something that that's fun, but creating something that was fun from the get go. And we created so many memories and so many memes just from this, like a lot of pride of Detroit's identity, um, whether it was, you know, uh, the Africa stuff or audible dong came right here because I feel like part of me, the one thing that I've struggled with, with my writing is, is having my personality kind of bleed through. Because I've become, especially since I've become managing editor where, you know, I have to be a little more newsy and a little more straight facts. This allowed Pride of Detroit to have a voice, to have a personality. And that all comes down to your creation. And and it's, I don't know what the future of the podcast holds. I don't know what the future of Pride of Detroit holds in terms of an identity because I tend to be a little straight laced. <laughs> I tend to, to to try to steer conversation back to X's and O's and, and transactions and and news and stuff like that. While you maintained that this needed to be silly and you weren't wrong. (laughs) Well, I mean, just that, that's just part of me growing up too and seeing, you know, listen, I I've met some guys formerly from 97 one, uh, who, you know, and I, I know this is going to be bingo for some people out there, but talking with guys like, you know, Bernie Frado and Rob Parker and those old heads from Detroit are great. But at the same time, like I've seen what it is out there right now for the attitudes around this team. And I just felt like, you know, it, it needs something other than the slappies who will defend this team no matter what. And it needs something other than doom and gloom. And uh, it fit in nicely, like what I wanted to do. I've just, I've never, probably because I've fought with a lot of people my entire life when I'm not fighting someone, when I'm not trying to fist fight someone, I want to take things far less seriously than it should be because there's just no point to, to, to do it, especially in sports, man. You know, the old Howard Cosell line that this is the toy store of uh, media coverage in the world. Like there's so many important things out there. There's so many people who are struggling with so much out there. And because I grew up in leftist politics and, you know, in marches and in anar- among anarchist punks and everything else, uh, my heart bled a lot. So when it was time for that heart to stop bleeding and for me to get some therapy for myself, I just never wanted to act like, Lions football was the end-all be-all. I know it's incredibly important for a lot of you out there. I'm not taking that away from you. Please don't interpret that in saying that I'm saying this isn't important. But compared to people out there who are begging for their lives on on GoFundMe because they can't afford cancer treatment or begging to, to get people to help them pay rent because the rent just keeps going up every year, this is nothing. 
And I want people to realize that. I want people to realize, like, this should be fun. Even for a really crappy team, sometimes like the Lions are, this really needs to be fun. People need to laugh a little bit. And I was always hoping that, you know, on one hand, we always struggle with that a bit, Jeremy. This has been the great past five years through Colin Kaepernick or of anyone else that sports isn't just straight escapism. It has its roots in so much else of our culture, but at the same time, we can have those serious conversations. We can also throw spitballs over here. I'd like to think we can. I really like to think that we could. And I've just wanted to do that. And for me, like as someone who's, I think I said this off air before, and I know I'm sorry, we are t- I'm going to create a, a new segment for this when you're listening on the podcast. So this will be after a mailbag break. Um, I've worked so many just awful jobs in my life and I've been screwed over so much and really, really struggled to find who I want to be as a person. And I pride of Detroit really got me on that, that fast track. It's like, because of what I was writing at pride of Detroit, because of the space you gave me to write what I wanted to write, even when it was just dumb NFL recaps and not, um, anything to do with the lions half the time. Like that, all went into my demo reel and my portfolio when I applied for a master's degree at U at the University of Southern California, which I completed in twenty nine in twenty eighteen. And a lot and they told me when I got into a lot of the reason why I got in, um, with no qualifications, with you know, an un with a background that wasn't related to journalism, with uh, no internships under my belt with a troubled past where it took me 10 years to get my, my, uh, undergraduate and dropping out of about four different schools. The reason they took me is because they saw that, um, I had this pod, a podcast background. And again, I can't do that without, without you and without pride of Detroit. Uh, I can't just be sh- throwing these things out there into the void. You know, it needs a home. Podcasting needs a home. It needs a tie-in. It can't just be, so it can't be just be its own island. Um, Adam Carolla, I think, used to say that if you want to make your podcast big, you have to be uh, three things. You have to be famous. You have to be famous, and you have to be famous. And I'm not famous. And yet, in spite of that, we made this big. We had sixty-five thousand downloads in September. Uh, that's big. That means 65,000 times people are listening to this thing in a month. Uh, We've had people come to us for live read sponsors. We've talked about so many things. We still want to do a live show one of these days, even if I'm not part of it now. Um, And I don't know who's going to take up the banner. I know, Jeremy, you're going to steward as much as I can, but you you need a partner in here. And I, I really hope someone can step forward and do that for you because... I think Pride of Detroit deserves as much. It it needs to be as as big as it can be. Yeah, and like uh, like man, you got us bleeping credentialed at Ford Field. Like <laughs> back when back when the Lions was only giving credentials to actual like papers and yeah. like I tell people that all the time. Like this isn't just a blog. This isn't just a podcast. This is legitimate. A lot of other podcasts and blogs out there like to think they can claim some legitimacy we are one of the ones that could actually do that and we did that over the course of four and a half years yeah Uh, i mean 
the growth we've seen over the past four years is, is truly incredible. And I'd love to, to take all the credit myself, but obviously a lot goes to Sean and, and what he did with the site and, and build its legitimacy over, over almost a full decade. Um, and then, and then I hate to keep pointing the, the, the credit back at you, but like, I, I truly believe the POD cast is, is unique in now an oversaturated market of lions podcast, because I do think we give people a little bit of everything. We give people some humor. We give people some off topic stuff to kind of hell. We're giving people some takes this year. Some hot football. takes too. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I think especially during the season, like, we we provide some real analysis and and there are a lot of podcasts out there that'll give you one of those you know they'll they'll be a hardcore x's and o's you know talk about every single guy in the 53 man roster there's some that'll just be kind of hot takey and and you know i don't think there's any comedy lions podcast but i'm gonna hide you off on that pass right now maybe there is maybe there isn't uh i i can't say i'm all that familiar with everyone in the podcast but i i feel like we've got we brought a lot of varied i mean i think i think the dynamic between you and me grew to a like it really has i man. think at one point it grew to a, a a very contentious build and then like it eased off where we're like we knew where each other were and we're able to play off that. we drew our lines in the sand we, 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 re- year, we, we like. respected each other's corners after a little bit we, we had to yeah there was definitely a civil war going on but you know <laughs> what you fight you fight with your brothers right is what you do you and, have to you have to fight with your siblings before you can really love them so and that's i mean that's makes the this early kind of unannounced uh exit all the more painful because i i do think we had finally hit our groove this year with that um we bounced we we respected each other's opinion we we certainly differed at times um we were gonna we, yell we, we were gonna start we're working talking. at yelling at each other next <laughs> Maybe. we really were we, we were really going to start working on like how <laughs> to actually start being like you know shouting at each other or something so i don't know because Maybe. and and one thing I want to point out and because you've had your detractors in the past and you've had your, your fair share of, of mean you know, comments. I, I don't and, mind the and mean all that stuff. Shit. You know, I'll let you but finish, but yeah, yeah. The, I, I do think you brought something valuable to this, you know, this medium that doesn't exist a lot of places. And, and that's just like a grounded look at this team from a perspective of, of someone who's not willing to always just look on the bright side. And not saying that you are a negative person or that you are an SOL guy, but that you just kind of, you saw this team for who they were. Let's, let's put it that way. I mean, you, you saw Patricia from who he was at the start and, and not saying that Patricia is, is doomed to fail forever and any of that. But while I was kind of looking for all the reasons why he might be the exception to the Patriots tree rule, you were, you were there saying, you're kidding yourself. You know that, right? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think I think there's one more thing I'm going to write. I think we might have to hold it until after the new year, but there is something personal with me and Patricia too. But at the same time too, it was just um I just I just never bought into it. I knew I saw him being hyped up. I saw the defense and everything else and who knows, maybe it works out. I just I, it's never been a guy I bought into from the start, but that's neither here nor there. I know I already see some comments and there's like, is there going to be any more football talk? Um, 
Probably not. <laughs> we're, probably. We're already, I'm sorry. We're already almost two hours deep into this. Yeah, podcast. I know. Um, I'm sorry, and I apologize to no. everyone listening at home who's just like, "What? Why are you doing this? Why are you giving all this time to this bum that's being kicked out?" I will say this: I don't mind the hate. The one thing that bothers me and will continue to bother me, and something I tell people I'm working on all the time is when people tell me that um, I'm uninformed. Uh, someone told me because. We did a bit and it hurts because like we even do bits about it every now and then because like we did a joke a while back about like, oh, hey, what's the name of this Lions running back? We don't know who's who has a rushing yard leader in this. (laughs) And um, that was a fun bit. But people then immediately said that, like, it invalidates everything I have to say because I don't know this roster. And it kills me because, again, like I have anxiety issues. I have post-trauma Retaining information is not a strong suit of mine. I work like hell to get over it. I really do. I'm I'm not going to say I'm like fucking disabled here or anything, but like it's, I, I would ask you to be, I would ask anyone who wants to criticize me that try to be off the cuff without having a ton of notes in front of you. Um, and just like, sometimes I just forget things. I just really do. Like, I know I'm going to cut it out of this podcast. I made a huge mistake about Ashawn Robinson that is not going to be heard because I'm getting very sensitive <laughs> about it in my final outing because I just, I had just, it had just completely skipped my mind. But like, that's the one thing that hurts me. So there it is out there. If you want to find me whenever I'm doing my next big thing and you want to hurt me, just tell me that uh, I'm not inform. I'm not, uh, I haven't done my homework or something. So, but I mean, other than that, like, you know what? I, 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 um, I appreciate, I appreciate the, uh, the banter. Yes. I see. By the way, someone has now highlighted, I, I see you H DeJong. You've highlighted yourself three times about <laughs> PS4. I'm on PC for Madden, unfortunately, but, um, I will, I will hit you up wherever. And now as always, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P E R F E T T. Um, I want to say this isn't goodbye. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know where things are going to go after this. I really don't. And, uh, that's the part that scares me the most. And I want to be people, people out there is like, you got to be positive about it. And like, yeah, I guess, but I want to have these feelings just a little bit and then we'll see where it goes after that. So thank you everyone. I feel like I need to finally explain, uh, my sign off and it's going to sound lame, but, um, See you, Starside has been. It's a line I took from a very old video game, and this goes back to, this this goes back to um, a video game I used to play called Marathon. Which, if you don't know it, it's by a company you might have heard of called Bungie. They might have developed some games after that. Who knows? They're not uh, not that big. No one's heard of Bungie. But in Marathon 2, there were these guys called Bobs, B-O-Bs, NPCs that would just fight on your side, mostly worthless. They'd get shot once, die, fall over, and uh, just explode into gore. You could even shoot and kill them yourself if you wanted to, to be honest. Just for for giggles. Just just for giggles. Uh, Half of them exploded to try to kill you anyway. But if they did survive the levels where they did help you, they turn and tell you, see you star side before beaming out of that level. It's a sci-fi game. And uh, that's always been my message as uh, 
not to think too much into something that is in there as a little joke and because I am a fan of Bungie's video games, but that's always been what CU Starside is. is like You've made it through the worst of it. You've kind of cut through a lot of the crap in your life. You've cut through the chaff. You've gotten through the end of it. You've Especially when it's... I mean, you can say this is about the Lions or yourself or whoever you want to put this into context through, but if you've gotten through the worst of it, you can turn and then look at someone and say, you know, see you star side and just get on out of there and uh, go on to the next uh, whatever waits you after that. So one more time because I'm starting to lose it now and I don't like to do this, but uh, thank you, Pride of Detroit and see you star side.